One thing that we all want, everyone in this room, if I was to ask you if you wanted the anointing, I'm sure everybody in here would raise their hand. Everybody would like to have the anointing. Um, but it's not something that comes cheap. Salvation is free. You know, I've heard me say this, but the anointing is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you being able be willing to sacrifice some things, to be able to um, to do the right thing when nobody's looking. Huh? How many of you know it's easy to do the right thing when everybody's watching you? But you are the real you when you are by yourself. When somebody's not having to watch you pray. Huh? Somebody's not expecting you and you just do it anyway. To find time with the, in the presence of the Lord. See, uh, anointing, a guy told me one time he, w- he was talking about the gifts he had because he had a gift and he was, uh, he was really good in what he did. But uh, how many of you know your gift will make room for you? And that's the scripture he quoted to me. He said, the he said, your, uh, your gift to make room for you. He said, I'm not worried about finding a place. He said, I'll, I'll find a place somewhere. He said, he said uh, my gift to make room for him. I said, yeah, your gift to make room for you, but it's your character that's going to keep you there. Because your gift will make room for you. But let me just say this. Singing is one thing. Anointed singing is another. Preaching is one thing. Anointed preaching is another thing. Amen. Worship is one thing. But anointed worship is another thing. Amen. How many of you know you, you want to be in an atmosphere to where they're not just singing, but where they're worshiping, where they're praising, where they're lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, where there's an anointing that's flowing into their lives and, and out from their lives into others. Amen. I like to come into an atmosphere to where the presence and the anointing and the, and the Spirit of God is that, that where when I get there, if there's something in my life that needs to be broken, I don't have to worry about walking back out with it. Amen? I don't have to worry about if I come in with a disease, having to leave with that same disease. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring the anointing in, and He's looking for somebody that He can place that anointing on. God is always looking and searching for somebody that he can use. So he looks for those that are doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Amen? In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4 through 8, I'm going to read that, and we're going to get into this thing and break it down. Okay? It says, but he himself, and this is talking about Elijah, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and and came and sat down under a broom tree. And let me just stop right here and just say something. He's already dropped his servant off. Elijah's dropped his servant off in Beersheba, and he's went away. Let me give you a little bit of backstory on this. He's running from Jezebel. Jezebel has told him that she's going to kill him. Because he killed the 400 prophets 
Elijah is running from her and he goes into the wilderness, came down and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Now this is a man that's just seen the fire fall. He's seen the anointing of God fall in the midst of all these people and, and so moved and so paralyzed the people that they just stood there. They fell on their faces. They didn't wonder what happened. They knew what happened. They knew that the presence of God had come down in their midst. It so paralyzed them so that Elijah was able to take 400 prophets and kill them by himself. And then he goes up and he begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, the Bible says that when he goes in, he prays and he sends his servant out. And he asks him, do you see a cloud? He come back, he said, no, there's no cloud. There's no sign of rain. He does that seven times. And he comes back on the seventh time. He said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And he says, get down from here. He said, for the Lord, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And you know the story, how the rain came. Then Ahab goes back and tells Jezebel all that's happening. She says, he, she says, that about this time tomorrow, the same is going to be done to him as he did to my prophets. But it never happened. It was a fear tactic. Come on now. She was trying to sow fear in him and trying to get him to fear. And he feared and ran and got off into a place of depression. Let me just tell you this. There's, th there's fear all over the world today. People are worried about this thing, and, and, and I'm like I said before, I think we need to use wisdom. I think we need to be wise in what we do. We need to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to use wisdom. We need to wash our hands. We need, but we do not need to fear. So she tried to put fear, because fear brings torment. It involves torment. It calls you to close yourself in. It calls you to get to a place of depression. It calls you to get to a place to where you have no hope. It calls you to get to a place to where you just want to die. This is where Elijah was. He went and got under the juniper tree or the broom tree. And he said, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life. For I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there was at his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again and went to sleep again. You know, I think the Lord's trying to wake the church up. Hmm? He's trying to get us ready for something. And it says, then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. See, God's trying to get us to get to a place to where we begin to feast on him. To where we begin to take in the things of God into our lives. Because the journey that we're about to take is too great for us to stay where we're at. It's too great 
for us to, to, to depend on natural food. It says, so he arose and ate and went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights. That means he didn't eat no more food for 40 days and 40 nights. He went, how many of you like to have some of that type of food? How many of you know you could save some grocery money? If you could go without eating for 40 days and 40 nights, well, if you just eat the things that God tells you to eat, then you might be able to do some of that. <clears throat> so he ate and drank, and, and it says, Arise to eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of his food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, I want to tell you, during this time, he went into a cave and slept the night, and he'd come back out, and you know the story, how the wind blew through the mountains and the rocks split, how there was an earthquake, how there was a fire, and the Bible says that the Lord wasn't in any of that, but he was in a small, still voice. And then the Lord spoke to him. He said, I want you to go to uh, anoint a king, and then I want you to go to anoint Elisha. It says in verse 19, it says, And he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And I want to ask somebody right now, how many of you know that somebody's life can be changed today by the anointing? Why? What have we been saying around here? Why? Because the anointing makes a difference. It changes you. God is looking for people. God had his mind on Elisha before Elisha ever come into the picture. But Elisha was doing some things that he was supposed to be doing. He was plowing. And I want you to see this because even during the time of drought, Elisha was still plowing. Elisha was getting up every morning. Elisha was breaking the fallow ground. Even though the ground was hard, even though the ground was crusty, he was still going out every morning and getting the oxen ready. He was still doing it. And I'm pretty sure that there was days just like there's days of us and times and things we wonder why we are doing the things that we're doing and why we just keep plowing and why we just keep do doing and plowing and sowing and plowing and sowing. But I want you to see that as Elisha was plowing and sowing, God was preparing Elijah to come by and to do something for him. See, everybody wants this thing called the anointing, and everybody wants a double portion of anointing. But before you can do qualify for a double portion of anointing, you got to qualify for the single portion of anointing. That means you got to do what is right when there's nobody else looking. You got to prepare yourself. You got to get ready. You got to work out your character. See, a lot of times we don't understand why we're going through dry places. We don't understand why we're walking through places in our life where there's nothing growing around us. We don't understand why we just seem to be going through the motions at times. But sometimes God is trying to prepare us for the things that He has for us and seeing how we're going to handle when we got just a little bit because if you can handle when you got just a little bit see because I hear people all the time saying well when I get some money when I when I get a whole lot and when I'm able I will tithe and when, when the Lord gives me a lot listen if you can't tithe when you got a little you will not be able to tithe when you got a lot but here's the thing 
Elisha was getting up every day, hooking up the oxen, plowing, sowing the seed, not knowing what was going on in behind the scenes. But you see, for three and a half years, they had been a drought in the land. But not knowing anything about anything about the drought or anything that was going on, he was just doing what he was told. His father knew that he could leave him in a place of work and not have to worry about him slacking off when he wasn't away from him. He knew that if he put him in charge of something, that he was going to carry it out. He knew that he would get up in the morning, hook up the oxen, hook up the plow, and get out into the midst of, the, of, the, of that and walk through all the junk that he was walking through. You see, Elijah's not, Elisha is not somebody that you would think would need the anointing because on the outside, he just looked like somebody who was in a field plowing. He looked like somebody who was dirty and sweaty and not, not much going to come much good going to come out of it but as he kept plowing I want you to see the sows the, the seeds that he had sown all those times as he had sown see because God is always looking for somebody that he can elevate somebody that he can trust with what he has for somebody that he can put his mantle on it will not let it fall to the ground somebody that's willing to give up everything that they have and walk out of the place that they've known with familiarity and walk into a new place of anointing with the power and the presence of the Almighty God. He's looking for somebody. He's looking for you. Look at somebody and say, He's looking for you. See, a lot of times we pray and we want God to do certain things in our lives and we're not seeing those certain things in our lives because we're not letting him work out those things in secret to where he can bring them out into the open. Elisha was plowing when there wasn't nobody watching. Elisha was sowing when there wasn't nobody watching, when the ground was still dry. Elijah, God told Elijah, he said, I want you to go and anoint Elisha. He went and found him, threw his mantle over him. Elijah had been working in that field all these days. He didn't know, he didn't know that one day that he was going to be plowing out in that field and somebody was going to find him. And what he had been praying for was going to come to pass in just a moment's time. It was just like any other normal day. He was plowing. He was doing everything that he had always done. Just being faithful. See, because the Bible says, Jesus said, remember what he said to the, to the, the servant he gave the five talents to? When he come back and he give him ten talents, he said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. This is where we're at, folks. See, a lot of people won't take their talent and hide it. But what did Jesus do to the servant that hid his talent? He took it away from him and gave it to the guy that had the ten. Come on now. But here's Elisha. 
Elisha is still walking through the midst of, of, of all the dirt and all the, he's still pushing through all the dirt and, and, and breaking up the fallow ground. He's still walking through the dung every day. Somebody been walking through some junk in their life. Somebody's been pushing through some stuff, not even knowing that what God has got you on his mind. He's, he's got you on his mind. He's looking for you. He's searching you out. Somebody's right on the verge of giving up and quitting. But I want to encourage you today to keep on pressing through. Keep on hooking up. Keep on plowing. Because as you plow, you're going to come to a place to where God's going to find you. He's looking for you and he's going to find you. And see, as he was going through the field and as he was pushing through the field and going through there, all of a sudden Elisha, Elijah turns the corner and Elijah comes out to him and throws his mantle on him. And the anointing comes on Elisha in such a way that he turns and runs for Elijah. Then he goes back. And he says, just let me go back and kiss my mother and father. He said, and I'm coming after you. He says, because everything in my life is about to change. Everything, I'm, I'm giving up everything. I'm going to destroy the yoke. See, he, he took the yoke of oxen and he destroyed it. Hmm? He boiled them, made sacrifice of them, boiled them, and give it to his family because why? He didn't plan on coming back. Things are about to change. Come on now. Things are about to change for you. Because God's looking for you. The anointing of God is for you. He's been looking for you. Look at somebody and say, he's been looking for you. <laughs> you may have thought that you was going to be able to give up. You may have thought that you was going to be able to quit. But God's been searching you out. He's been looking for you. See, what we don't, what we, a lot of times we want, we want the anointing, but we don't want the sacrifice of the anointing. We want the, we want the fresh oil, but we don't want the crushing. We don't want the getting up. We don't want the inconvenience of things. We don't want things to, to just to, to work out certain ways. We want it all to be rosy. All comes with a great price. And if we don't have the anointing, the anointing cannot destroy the yoke. The anointing is what lifts the burden. If we don't have the anointing, then nobody gets saved, nobody gets delivered. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's the anointing that lifts the burden. It's the anointing that breaks through in the midst of darkness. When everything is dark around you, it's the anointing. It's the anointing that brings healing to people's lives. It's the anointing. Come on, somebody. It's the anointing that gives us light in the midst of darkness. We can have a lot of things, but if we don't have the anointing, we don't have nothing. It's when we have the anointing the very character. Listen, we can have anointing, but if we don't have character, you won't keep the anointing very long. I preached a message one time on compromise will take your eyes. Hmm? You take Samson, 
for instance, Samson had the anointing. The anointing come on Samson at times, but Samson didn't have no character. And because Samson didn't have no character, Samson gave up and laid his head in the lap of Delilah, and she took his eyes. And when we don't have, when we have an anointing that comes on us at times, but we don't have no character with that anointing. We have an opportunity for our, for our vision to be taken to where we can't see where we're going, where we can't see what we're doing. And the enemy comes in. See, the ultimate end of, of it wasn't supposed to happen as Samson, as it happened with Samson. I do not believe that that was God's idea of an ending for Samson. Oh, he killed more at the end of his life than he did at the beginning. But it would have been God's ultimate idea for him to have lived in the character that God had called him to, in the integrity. Hmm? God's called us to a place to where we walk in and not just have just the touch of the anointing. See, because now the anointing not only just comes on us, the anointing is within us through the Holy Spirit. God has placed His Spirit in us, but God is not going to be and God is not going to honor us if we don't have character and integrity in our lives. Come on now. In other words, we can't just preach a certain thing. we got to live it. If we want the goodness of God and the greatness of God working in our lives, we've got to walk into his character. In other words, we've got to get up on mornings when we don't feel like getting up. And we've got to plow. We've got to hook up the oxen. We've got to break up the fallow ground. We've got to get into the places of the hard places sometimes. We've got to push through some things. Oh, yeah, I know that things are hard. I know that there's things happening in your life that just don't seem right. But you've got to understand that you connected to a God who cannot fail you and will not fail. He is searching for you. He is looking for you. He's wanting to place his anointing on you and give you a double portion of his anointing. But before we can get the double portion, we got to qualify for the single portion. We got to be willing to walk through some things. Stop getting upset when your microwave breaks down. Acting like it to... Nothing's going to happen. That God can't fix it. Oh, it's terrible. I know we living in a day and an age where everybody wants a microwave blessing, but God still cooks with a crock pot. It's slow cooking, but that's okay. It's coming. How many of you know it's good? You may wait all day to get it. You may put it in there in the morning and it may not be able to get into it until that night. But when you break into it, honey, it's mighty good. 
See, you may get down on your knees and you may start praying in the early morning and you may not see anything and nothing may not be happening. Some of you have been praying for your children for years and years and it seemed like there's nothing happening. But I want to tell you that when you're you're down to nothing, that God is up to something. He's going to do something. He's going to change something. He's going to break through in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the darkness hour. He's just looking for you to get to a place he's trying to get you to a place to where you said I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm not stopping here because I know the anointing is on its way. It may not be here right now, but it's about to turn the corner and God's about to do a new thing in my life. When Elisha met Elijah he was willing to leave everything that he had and to set under his leadership and become a disciple in other words he was willing to allow Elijah to tell him things to do that he would listen to listening to me See, the problem we got today, nobody wants to listen to nobody. In other words, if I give somebody a word and it's encouraging to them, they'll listen. Boy, that's God. But if I give them a word of correction, it's just my opinion. Elijah, Elisha, put himself in a place to be used of God. I want you to see this. Elijah, you see, we see the anointing that God placed on Elijah. On Elisha through Elijah. But I want you to go back and read that passage. Because... He was also supposed to anoint a king. He was also supposed to anoint Jehu. Elijah was supposed to do this. But it did not come until Elisha anointed him. Because it was Elisha that sent his servant to Jehu to anoint Jehu's king to take out Jezebel. I want you to see this. What one generation let get by, the next generation, the double anointing won't allow to get by. The double anointing is going to take care of. What one generation walked past, the next generation is going to deal with. 
because the anointing, because, and I still believe that God has still got some people that he's about to pour out his spirit. He's seen you being faithful over the few things. He's about to make you ruler over many things. He's seen you walking through it in the midnight hour. He's seen you going through it in the midst of hard times. He's seen you walking in it, and it seemed like nothing was happening. But he's about to bring a double portion of his anointing. And what you've been dealing with for years and years and not being able to get past, he's about to bring an anointing that's going to destroy that thing and lift that yoke off of you. Elijah had a great anointing. But when, I want you to see this, because after that, after that he anointed Elijah, you don't, after he anointed Elisha, you don't hear much of Elijah anymore. Other than God took him. God took him up into heaven on a whirlwind. Elisha picked the mantle up, went back to the Jordan River, struck the Jordan River, and walked back across on dry ground. He said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And he walked across on dry ground. Now, here's the thing. People seen Elisha, but they could not believe that Elijah was gone. They seen Elisha, but they couldn't accept the Elisha anointing. They wanted the Elijah anointing. Hmm? And they sent. He sent servants out. They sent servants out to look for Elijah because they said God had taken him off. He may have dropped him off in the mountain somewhere. Listen, if God picks you up, he ain't going to drop you. But Elisha comes back, and I want you to, I want you, you can go back to 2 Kings. I think it's the second chapter. This is where Elijah is taken up. Elisha comes back and he deals with everything that Elijah walked by. Elijah used to walk by, as Elisha walked by, and his kids were cursing him. A bear come out and attacked him. Let me just tell you something. You better keep your mouth shut if you don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about the anointed of God. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a preacher. I don't care if they're a lay person or whoever. If the anointing of God is on that person, you better keep your mouth shut. Hmm? God can handle it. Amen. But God's called some of us in this place today. Some of the things that we've seen, that we've walked through, some of the things that we've been treading through, God is about to deal with. Some of the things that's going on in this nation, God's about to deal with. Hmm? Come on now. We try to figure out in our minds how things are going to work out. We need to just stop and let God be God 
and be ready. Somebody said, well, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know when it's all going to happen. I don't know how this is going to happen. I, listen, don't matter. Don't matter how things happen. Just let it happen. Let go and let God. All I can tell you is this. I'm going on the first load. You can stay here and deal with it if you want to. And you can be here with a planning committee that tries to figure it all out. Don't matter to me. I'm going to be, when God calls, I'm going. Amen. It's the anointing that's going to destroy the yoke. It's the anointing that's going to lift the burdens off of people's life. God's looking for you today. Don't think. Don't think for one minute that God ain't got great plans for your life. Because he does. There's not a person in this room cannot, who cannot walk in the fullness of the anointing of God. But here's the thing, and we say this all the time. People say this all the time. God is no respecter of persons, but he is respecter of positions. And if you want the anointing, you've got to position yourself for the anointing. Elisha positioned himself. Every day, every morning, by getting up. Some of us need to get up in the mornings and pray. Some of us need to spend time in the day in prayer. Amen? Because why? Because if we don't, there's no anointing. Hmm? God's looking for somebody that he can pour his spirit out on. Somebody he can entrust his spirit to. To do what he wants to do in and through his people. Is that you? I believe it is. God wants you. He's enlisting you. We see that Uncle Sam posted at the post office. I want you. Let me just tell you this. God wants you. He wants you. He don't want us as people of God wringing our hands, wondering what we're going to do next. He wants us as people of God to be able to hear his voice and be under the leadership of his spirit. Where he goes, I will follow. Amen. Let's all stand. Got to know that God never intended us for us to get saved and just to stay on the same level. He wants us to go to a deeper level in Him. He wants us to get to a place to where we lay hands on the sick, just like the Scripture says, and they're healed. Amen. The anointing makes a difference. And his anointing is for you. Maybe you've been going through a midnight crisis. Been a very dark time around you. But one of the great things that you need to understand about night, though, it gets 
really dark. One second after midnight was morning. You done went over into a new day. It's a brand new day. You've never been, you'll never, you've never been in that day. And I know a lot of times we get caught up in the, in the days of the week. And we'll say, man, another Monday or another Tuesday. No, it's not just another Monday or another Tuesday. It's a brand new day. You've never been in that day and you're never going to be in that day again. And you can never make up tomorrow what you missed out on today. So what we need to do is live life to the fullest today. With everything that we have, lay it all on the line. I ask the Lord every day, God, make me just a little bit more like you. Crucify me in my life. We have to crucify the flesh. How many of you know that? I mean, you know, we ain't there yet. But we're getting there. The anointing. The anointing. Destroys the yoke. It lifts the burden. Hmm. It takes the natural in us and turns it into the supernatural. It takes the inability that we have within ourselves and turns it into the ability of God. It makes the impossible possible. The unattainable attainable. And He wants to rest His presence and His anointing on you. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've been just pushing through some things, some issues in your life, maybe you've been in the midst of a drought, but you've still been plowing. You didn't understand it. Sometimes you might even say, Lord, I don't even know why I'm doing this. What you was doing is getting prepared for what he had coming to you and didn't even realize it. You've walked through some stuff. You've stepped through some stuff. But now you're at a place and God is coming your way to place his anointing on your life. If that's you this morning, you've been pushing through some things, I want you to come. God's presence is here today. His anointing is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You're dealing with issues. situation. How many of you are tired of cycles? 